We want to get one of those. Um, I think. Do you think in the audio world they use those those clacker things like in the movies? Those. Um, it's I, called I the castanet. Called, it's called a castanet. You know the word for that? Like the clackers, like that? No, 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 no. The thing at the beginning of a movie where they go, you know, act one or scene oh! four, take three, and they snap. Snap oh, that. Thing I don't down. know what those are. Uh, I think it's called. Sorry, a I couldn't see you when you were when you were saying it, and um, that's what bad. a castanet are those tiny little symbols on your fingers? <laughs> yeah, or that we should get one of those ca- little castanets. <laughs> oh, to- I have, I have some because my um, my daughter uses them for music class. <laughs> Hi, I'm Angela Hopke. And I'm Jonathan Bowers, and you're listening to Fixing Faxes, Building a Digital Health Startup. And we just got some new mics. New mics! Yay! Uh, This is episode five. We've recorded the first four episodes on our headphones. No, Mm -hmm. um, what are these called? Headphones. No, these these aren't headphones. Like standard headphones that you get with your Apple iPhone. (laughs) Right. But now we've got these great new... Uh, very cheap, the cheapest ones we could find, Audio-Technica 2005 USBs, as recommended by basically every podcast blog mm-hmm. I could find. Okay. Um, but they were sold out. And well, so, and, and I didn't do any research. You did all the research, and you I just said, tell me which ones to buy. Yes, but you found where to buy them, because they're did. sold out everywhere. I did. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, know, I know the weird places to buy things. <laughs> So that was helpful because I was starting to panic that we were going to have to buy $300 microphones instead of $100 microphones. Well, the package was $200. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, it comes with the it comes with the boom arm and the monitoring headphones. Mm-hmm. Um, the Princess Leia headphones? Yeah, definitely. They they hurt my they oh. hurt my ears just a little bit cuz I like do you notice the glasses yeah they dig into your head I've been wearing them a lot uh the last oh, few days cuz I've you... been doing all my Zoom meetings like this with the microphone Is everybody commenting on the quality? Oh everyone loves yes. it. Uh yeah, okay, <laughs> everyone cool. is saying, "Oh, it sounds so good." And now uh Chris wants to get a microphone. He's he's got <laughs> microphone envy. Uh-oh. <laughs> That's definitely a thing in 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 Zoom COVID days. Microphone yeah. and camera envy. That's right. I uh, we had a client meeting this morning, and because uh, you can see the boom and the mic in the video call, and he says, "Hey, what's that?" And I told told him about the podcast. Yeah, he holds up his really expensive microphone and oh. say, "Well, let's <laughs> let's compare." He says, "Oh, that's not fair." You're like, "No, He's, how about yeah. not?" <laughs> <laughs> He's got one of those pop filters, and I think it's oh. like a really cool condenser mic. It is just sitting on his desk though, so he doesn't have the arm. Uh, see which is pretty, pretty i don't sweet, know this arm sweet. is like i'm that's most of what i love about this <laughs> uh you know what we need to talk about so speaking of the prices of things so this being 200 dollars yes. and us thinking about wanting to buy cheap so this felt like the right amount of money to spend for where we're at in terms of our exactly. journey as podcasters. Yes. Um, but in the in uh I think episode three, we I think it's episode three, yeah. gave you some homework. Yep. To go and use the Van Westendorp you got it. pricing meter. I did. Or price price sensitivity meter? Price sensitivity meter. Right. Which is uh, basically four questions that help you understand the pricing of a product. What are the results? Okay. Uh, so, so I made the survey and I 
put it in, linked it in an email, and then I just used my my personal contact list and sent it out to a bunch of primary care providers and specialists that I know that I would hope that I could kind of ask a personal favor to. Um, I sent it out to about 30 people, nine or 10 of them got back to us. And there was some big trends showing up. So what you what you have to understand is the four questions really kind of give you an idea of like the absolute basement. I wouldn't buy this because it's it would be so cheap that it doesn't have any value all the way up to this is way too expensive for what I think the product is. So those are two questions. And then the other two questions help kind of narrow in the 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 sweet spot. So just like, what would you pay? That's, I, I think they use the word bargain. Mm-hmm. And then what would you pay? And they, they use the word expensive. And so what we did is we took all the responses, we plotted them on the sensitivity meter. And before I say what the what it came out to be, I think <laughs> last time I guessed that mm-hmm. it would be around twenty five dollars. Yes, yeah. I okay. don't remember if that's recorded, but y- you guessed that it was going to be twenty five dollars. <laughs> well, and I, I just figured it would be cheap enough that I could like, and I think maybe I was thinking that would be pretty a pretty cheap price. So the price sensitivity meter put us in a large enough range of people like on on a like a distribution graph that would pay for Clinect on a monthly subscription based model between 50 and 75 dollars oh mm-hmm. more than what you had thought a little bit more than what i thought <laughs> now let's back that up I think the original guesstimate that I gave um, didn't have all the features that we were going to include in the basic model anyway. So we've upped the basic model to be kind of a basic plus model. And then what we did is we gave a really quick video on what we have in the product right now and what features are coming within that basic model, then asked them to to answer the four questions. So we gave them a really good idea of what they're going to get for for their money. I love that you went out and talked with people. Yeah. And got feedback that was, uh, would, would you say it was more encouraging to get those answers back the way you did? Mm-hmm. I think when you build a product, you're scared to price it. I think that's a scary thing to price it because mm-hmm. now you're building a product, but now you're actually asking a very specific amount of money for it and asking people to take that out of their pocket and give it to you. So it was, it was a very, very vulnerable exercise for me. And, um, yeah, I was nervous to do it. So happy I did though. (laughs) Like, yeah, just so, yeah, really, really good feedback really. And actually even since then, it's caused a couple of people to come back at me and ask me like further questions and things like that, which is really great. Yeah. Like one of them was asking about, um, and not to get into the nitty gritty of it, but well, how many users are you going to have per account? And are you going to charge per users? Are you going to charge per account? And with so many users and yada, yada, yada. So she had already started to get it into her head and was asking really good questions. And I said that I was like, Ooh, you've zeroed in on something that we've been talking about a lot. And so I used that interaction then to ask her, I said, well, we're thinking about this. What do you think? And she was like, Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so just like stealing more information out of, out of everyone was, yeah. It's not stealing information. No, it's not. (laughs) It's, it's asking your customer what they want. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's so cool. I think it's exciting that you have gone 
out, talked to some folks, got some real feedback and got some additional feedback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Highly recommend that. Anybody who's thinking and being scared about the pricing process, just ask. I like that the that price sensitivity model of Van Westendorp is, is those questions because you can just take it kind of copy and paste it, put it in there, remove some of the emotion a little bit because it's not like you're yes. on the phone talking with someone. You can just send this out somewhat anonymously. It's not really anonymous, but you kind of send it out and it just removes that awkwardness and weirdness that and that anxiety that you might feel. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what I was feeling. So when I put it into a survey and I just, I think I threw it into Google forms or something like that and sent it out and just said, and I didn't ask for any, um, identifying information so and I actually said that right away like I'm not asking for your name will you you know that I know you were like participant number one (laughs) you can kind of anonymous anonymously do it and I think that felt good for both myself and who I was asking to do it because these were from my personal contact list so they know (laughs) me quite well What you wanted to talk about today was the product development journey of Mm -hmm. Clinect. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about that today because uh, up to this point, we've been talking a lot about like either current state or um, like what we're doing right now, hence the pricing thing and things like that. But I wanted to give a little bit of background about how we got to where we've got to and how long that journey took and how how we've navigated along the way, um, just so maybe people listening can understand what that journey typically looks like. Because so often we read, you know, success stories and you kind of get the story from the success on and not so much the really nitty gritty crap that led you up to that. And I'm not saying that our journey has had a lot of crap in it, but it's been a lot of a lot of bumps along the way. And I think talking about that um, is hopefully good for people to hear. And and maybe if they're in the middle of that, keeps them keeps them motivated to keep going. How long of a journey has it been? It has been three and a half years <laughs> to now. <laughs> Till now. And we've just and launched. We've just launched. <laughs> just launched. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. we've only we've only really been building building the product uh, for three months. Three months. Yeah. Two or three yeah, months. About three yeah. months. Yeah. 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 And we just launched three weeks ago. You didn't have the goal of creating Clinect three no. years ago. No, absolutely what, not. What, what was step one? Uh, at the time, I was working. Um, at the hospital here in Kamloops as a project manager. And there was a, there was some government funding coming out for innovative projects that were led by physicians. And so there was a group of physicians in Kamloops, uh, the general surgeons that wanted to apply for this um, money, but they needed to have a project manager attached to it. And at the time I was working four days a week um, and was recommended to them to that maybe I could take this project on for the fifth day. This was a side hustle. Total side hustle. (laughs) Total side hustle. And so what it started off as was the general surgeons in town really just wanted a place to centralize all of the referrals and pool them. So equally distribute distribute them or unequally distribute them purposefully uh, among each of them. And so I thought, oh, that's kind of a cool project. I would love to try something like that. So that's where we started out. We got funding um, in the beginning just to kind of do 
like analysis stuff, like typical government funding, you know, go out and do your, your SWOT analysis and your needs analysis and understand, you know, current state, blah, blah, blah. We already kind of knew what we wanted and it seemed to fit with the analysis. So then we started to build a very manual process for centralizing referrals from primary care providers in the Kamloops uh, catchment area uh, for general surgery. So we started that in August of 2017. So that's coming up on, on three years ago. It was by December that year that we realized that we were we might be on to something. The process that we were building along with the data that we were grabbing was becoming talked about a lot, not necessarily our data, but um, in the in the way of like wait time data and referrals and centralized processes and things like that. We also thought that maybe it would get absorbed by like a health authority or ministry or or something like that. So we built it in that way that we thought, well, somebody else will take this on in the end. As in like just take over, take over whatever process you've defined. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of advisors even advising us down that road was that if you build a good enough process, the, the health authority or the ministry will, will likely um, grab that and integrate it into some kind of workflow that they already have. Right. So we got pushback on that. From the health authorities? Yeah. So what ended up happening at about the same time that we were doing all of this, we incorporated central referral solutions. So when a government-funded project gets incorporated, some eyebrows get raised sometimes. And it wasn't an overly popular thing to do. Right. Um, but we needed to do it for ourselves. Like we were, there was a lot of us that were, that were, you know, shareholders in it or like stakeholders at the time and shareholders now. And we, yeah, we just kind of thought that we were onto something. So we incorporated. And so then we were seen as this, like this corporate entity that, you know, and there was just this push pull. We were also starting to talk about wait times in a way that wasn't overly palatable at the time because we wanted to talk about the whole wait time journey. And I think we'll probably do, we'll deep dive into that at another time. Okay. Yeah. The wait time journey. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because there's I, that's a whole episode in and of itself, I think. Okay. Right well then we'll save that for another day. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the end, you know, when we started to bump into things, people weren't really overly welcoming to take this on from a health authority or a a ministry perspective, we decided to monetize it because that made the most sense. And in a way that we knew we were a social enterprise, we still incorporated and things like that. So you're a for-profit company, right? You're a company. So that by definition is for-profit, but a social enterprise. But a social enterprise. So a social enterprise has not investors and making money at its core ethos, but rather a social good at its core ethos and its core philosophy. And for us, that we're not out to make a ton of money. We're out to make a change in a system. And so that's why we call ourselves a social enterprise, but we are for profit. Yeah. And I think that's another reason that it's been so hard to try and explain who we are and what we are, and especially in the beginning, because we weren't maybe even comfortable in our own skin in saying that. <laughs> and I'm yeah. now that I'm like saying it, I'm like, I don't even know if I still am. But we knew that we knew that we were onto something, but we also knew that we could make a lot of 
good with it and do a lot of good with it. Um, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. Like I've, I've, I, I've done a bit of mentoring with social enterprises, mostly in the non profit side of things. And one of the things that they often struggle with is how to be sustainable, how to, how to do what they're doing and, um, uh, I guess, scale that up. Right. Yeah. So they're so, they're often so dependent on grants and they spend so much time just applying for grant money and not revenue from some product or service that they're offering that can that can sustain the growth of the social thing that they're trying to do. Some some organizations are very very good at this. Mm-hmm. Most struggle. So you're describing an organization that is almost engineered in a way to to be sustainable. There's the profit side which sustains itself and sustains its growth activities and then the the impact of the um of the activities you do have have a social good but you do have to monetize that which you exactly. talked about uh exactly. just a second ago you, you're trying to monetize it walk me through that a little bit at a basic level i think people can understand like we're charging for the service exactly yes so maybe what i'll do is i'll talk about a little bit about how we got there and i what you just summed up doesn't happen easily and quickly. Right. Um, it's not as, as, as pretty as the summary that you just gave. Uh, it's usually ugly and bumpy along the way. And it has right. been a little bit ugly and bumpy for us along the way. So what we started with was general surgery in town. And I call it kind of like our R&D department is we've created the central intake and the central referrals to go and then be pooled among the groups of surgeons. And so in doing this, we were able to trial like a whole bunch of different types of workflows. We were able to even trial like the way we say things, which in healthcare can be the be all and end all of things. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Say things um, to, to patients or to? Well, even just like literally the wording that would be on a referral form. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah. The impression that that word gives mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when uh, you read it versus what you the intended meaning versus what maybe the reader means, and we've actually had a, a couple bumps along that way. Right. Also, the development of categories, referral categories, and we've talked a little bit about this in the past, but like Clinect itself has started to create the idea that. We should have a very strict set of categories that referrals come in. And like even that we trialed with general surgery, just really helping us understand what does a wait time mean? And then we've also done a little bit of consulting to help us gain even further insight. And we always say that, you know, that this further insight will just help us develop the product even more. So in doing all of this with general surgery kind of being our R&D department, we were able to go, okay, we have this, we were able to get a really nice workflow going, except it wasn't scalable. It wasn't sustainable. We were hitting, we we're bumping into exactly what you're talking about with, you know, the social enterprises and not being able to maybe get over that hump. We were able to get over that hump with Clinect. And so that's where we were able to say, you know what, now we are, we are an incorporated company, we are a social enterprise, and we are going to be charging for a product, and that is Clinect. And we were able to kind of take all of the learnings through doing this with general surgery over the past three years and finally build something. When you say it was not scalable, I imagine that means it's very dependent on manual labor. Yeah, almost entirely dependent on manual labor. So when the workflows were disjointed, so it required somebody 
to do one thing in this one software, take it over here and do another thing in this other software, and then take it over here and do right. X, Y, and Z from, with it from there. Nothing was automated. Nothing was overly efficient. There's room for error when you have a human yeah. doing all of this. So, yeah. so it was way too expensive to have somebody doing this. So learning all of that is why we built Clinect because we knew we were onto something and then just taking all those learnings and then automating them. And it took a long, took a really long time to figure that out and what that the, should look like. I think, I mean, I think it's interesting to tie that back to the pricing a little bit, like the, um, what Clinect can do for 50 or $75 a month, how much work would that take a person to do? So we priced that out because we were looking at doing exactly that. And it sits around the 400 to $450 a month. Right. So, so the, I mean, ultimately the value that's being created here is around $300 a month. Agreed. Which is pretty neat. Okay. Think back to my economics. (laughs) What is that piece? Oh, When you draw the diagram and then that difference there, that's the... I know exactly what you're talking about, but I cannot remember. (laughs) We've forgotten so much of our MBA. I think... You learn about that in first year <laughs> business degrees. <laughs> I know my MBA was a lot of first year business stuff because I didn't take business. <laughs> me, well, me neither. <laughs> oh um, my goodness, I love it. So this has been a, th- a three year journey. We've yes. we've really just started. <laughs> it's I know, <laughs> um, but it has been three years. So what what are some of the other um, some of the other lessons that you maybe have picked up in those three years besides, you know, besides some of the domain specific stuff around the problem that you're solving? I think what we learned big time is there's no quick fixes in healthcare. Mm-hmm. I was a little bit naive when we first did the project that I was like, oh, we're going to do this and we'll, we'll fix this right away. And there's just, yeah, there's just no quick fixes. Right. Good fixes take a long time in healthcare. They require a lot of thought and a lot of understanding because the the problems can be so complex, mm-hmm. um, and it's hard to narrow in on problems because in healthcare there's so many other problems gleaming around that problem. So that was kind of the, another thing that we learned is you know laser focus on the one thing that you want to change, yeah, and go for it. And there was a few times even you. I'd be sitting in a meeting with you and I would have another idea for something else. (laughs) And you would say, okay, you need to be laser focused. I was like, right, right. I need to do that. So that was- Well, Clinect does feel very focused. Even in some of the planning meetings, it, it, uh, we start talking about some features and some things that start to start to lose broaden. some of the focus, but or yeah, starts to broaden broaden that scope a bit. But the, at its core, it's a very focused product, and I like that. And I yeah. think that that's a really hard thing when you're getting into healthcare solutions. It is really hard not to go for a bunch of things at the same time. Yeah, but yeah. I think you're going to have a better success rate if you really laser focus on on kind of one solution one problem, one solution, and then go from there. And you can always build out afterwards, but, you know, try and try and focus on that first. There's also this thing around solving problems in healthcare that can be really distracting. And especially when you're um, maybe working with uh, government bodies and things like that is solutions tend to be um, system centric versus like a patient or provider centric. And you can go down kind of rabbit holes um, that 
maybe at the time seem like you're solving a solution, but you might be talking to the wrong people about what that solution should be looking like. And I think this once again goes back to talking to your users and talking to the real stakeholders in this, meaning patients, providers, people that are going to actually be using this stuff. For us at Clinect, we definitely had the opportunity to go down that system-centric solution road. It would not have felt nearly as good as what this does. Because what we're doing right now is we're really working with a solution that's going to benefit um, the broader good, not just the system. So so there's that. Does that ruffle some feathers a bit? Of course it does. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, It can be hard because healthcare is so riddled with, well, we've always done it that way, which can be a real big barrier to systemic change. Mm -hmm. But then it's also layered on what I found a little bit with um, not just we've always done it that way, but a pride in that way that maybe they've done it. And so when you're asking people to start changing workflows and changing the the way that they look at it, it's a, it feels personal Mm -hmm. when it's really, it's not, it's, it, it, it is systemic change, not personal change, but, um, in something like healthcare, where I just feel like there's so much passion in their jobs and their work and their, and, and things like that, that people can get really defensive very quickly. Um, when you're suggesting maybe bigger changes. Right. Yeah. I think also for me, it has been surrounding myself with people that know way more than me in (laughs) multiple facets. I think of, you know, even my, my so my co-founders are general surgeons and obviously they know way more than me when it comes to medical stuff. Then I partnered with uh, with you guys at Two Story Robot and you guys know way more than me when it comes to tech stuff. And yeah, just surrounding yourself with people that that are amazing experts in their different domains really helps. It, <laughs> and it also like it doesn't put the pressure on, you know, the founder or the CEO yeah. to come up yeah. with all the solutions, but rather just if you surround yourself with people who know better than you, then it, it, it helps also surrounding yourself with really good people because you will get beat up and you will fail and you will have to get yourself back up and you might sometimes need a, need a hand to get back up. And yeah, I need a little reminder that, uh, why you're in this in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for listening to Fixing Faxes, Building a Digital Health Startup. I'm Angela Hopke, and my co-host is Jonathan Bowers. Music by Andrew Codeman. Follow us on Twitter at Fixing Faxes. You can find us wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And please do us a favor, tell a friend. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Did you see the other review that we have? My husband? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It came... (laughs) He, he was, is, he's like our biggest fan. I'm going to steal a joke here yeah. um, from Bronwyn. Uh, he's such a fan. He married one of the hosts. Oh, lucky man. <laughs> <laughs>